We want to make a difference in this community. I mean, that's the conviction that we have as a church at Into One. We want to make a difference. We want to help people, not just so we can jam Jesus down their throat, but because of our love of Jesus, it compels us to help people. And the reason that we help people is because the love of Jesus already gave to us. And so that's something that we can share honestly. But it's not like you get help as long as you say yes to Jesus. Like we're, we're not that kind of a place. We, we want to help regardless of what you believe. I want to help because of what I believe. And because what I believe motivates me to do something else. And so we, we, we've heard about this story a number of times, right? Because it also sounds like um, breaking down barriers and opening doors. And breaking down barriers and opening doors is what we've been doing for months now in trying to get this facility fully accessible so that we do everything we can to not limit people from coming in. Whatever we can do to help. And so some of that's going to be an internal thing, but some of it's got to be external as well. We need to, you and I, need to be about breaking down barriers with people, opening doors to people. What's a way to start a conversation? What's a way to do this? And so this has all been part of our mandate from the very beginning. We've described what we're trying to do here as the road trip, right? You've heard us say that before. And the road trip is a statement that we have put together that sort of encapsulated in a very brief form what we are trying to do on an ongoing basis. And so the road trip says, on the road trip, we're on it, we're going, in earnest pursuit of Christ. We're, we're not just casually interested. Jesus doesn't just come up when it's convenient. We are in earnest pursuit of Christ. We are being brought together into one because as we go closer to Jesus, he happens to bring us together at the same time. And so we have this wonderful vertical relationship with God that is manifested, it's lived out, it's empowered, it's delighted by coming together into one. We have hope. And that hope is something that so many people that we are around with that you don't even realize, that hope is something that they just don't have. That, that life is just life. This is just where I am and someday I'm going to die, and some days I hope that day is going to be soon. But we have hope. We have hope again because of Jesus and what he has done, what he has promised, what he is doing, and what he has promised to do. We have hope, and that hope is also marked by a freedom that we have. This is not duty. This is not obligation. This is not you have to. We have freedom in the love of Jesus. We get to we are allowed to, and we describe that frequently as working in partnership. So this whole month of February, we have dedicated to what we have called outflow. Outflow is sort of a reworking of a scripture where it describes uh, Jesus had spoke, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? We sort of adjusted that a little bit to be, out of the overflow of the heart, the life is lived. What flows out of you? We talk a lot about how, how it helped me uh, how, how Jesus can save me, how Jesus can help me, how I can um, improve, how I can stop doing things that I, that I have done, how I can be helped. But it's, there's an outflow that's because of what God has done, because of the change that the Spirit of God is making in me. It's a story that I have to tell. And it's not religion, again, that i got to jam down somebody's throat. It's a delight. I know you might not get this, the whole thing at the beginning, because I didn't get it at the beginning either, but there is a delight that arises in me when I get to describe this story. And when I do, I think I can describe that hope. 
And I think I can display that freedom. Outflow. And so we were talking about that outflow on a, on a local kind of basis, on a, on a national, provincial, national, and international basis. And so we have had people who have come in to describe their story to you. This is what I have done. This is how God has spoken to me. This is why I am excited. And so they um, have been telling us their story. But the story describes mission. And the mission is what we have been on. We remind you every week at the end that we are on mission. It's not just existence. We are not counting down until the day we die. We are engaged and enlivened by a mission that is more than just us. So we talk about the road trip. We talk about it frequently. But one of the things that is sometimes hard to grasp, that, that's, a, that's a concept, right? And what we're trying to do is now break it down into something tangible, physical. So what do I do? Right? So what does that look like? What does it mean to be on the road trip? What is one of the things that I would do to be on the road trip? And you go, oh yeah, pray. Oh uh, yeah, read your Bible, right? And those kinds of things, those kind of very religious answers are there, and they're essential. Don't get me wrong, that, that personal relationship with Jesus grows through communication and prayer is a great way for you as an individual to develop and it's good to build a community that will pray as well. It helps us grow in our trust, it helps us to risk better. But in a physical manifestation, what can I do? How can I live that shows this sort of thing? I always found that this was really lacking when I was growing up. It was sort of like a summary of be good. And be good is another way to say try harder. And try harder implies that you're not good enough. But, but, if, but if you were, then God would love you. So let me, let me try and clear that up. God loves you. And that's the story, right? That's what we talk about all the time, that the world may know. That's why we want to be able to tell the story, that God loves you. You don't have to love God for him to love you. He already does. And there's nothing that you can do that make him, makes him love you more. There's nothing you can do that makes him love you less. But we can experience an excitement in that love. And when you love and when there's that relationship, you just want to live it out in a certain way. So I want to tell you today one way that this is what living on the road trip looks like. So I want to tell you a story. Um, it's going to be in Mark chapter 10. We'll put it up on the screen as we go along. You can use your... Uh, online Bible, if you'd like to do that, if you've got one of those. Some of you have pew Bibles in front of you. Mark chapter 10, it's the Gospel of Mark. It's the first, no, it's the second book in the New Testament. Just testing you there. Matthew, Mark chapter 10, and we're going to start at verse 32. And as we jump in there, you just need to understand, like if you'll, some of the Bibles will give you a, uh, a topic heading, or this is sort of where we are in the middle. And this one is important because it says, Jesus predicts his death for the third time, okay? So it's important to understand we're three into this already. He's already done this. Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 32. They were on their way to Jerusalem, on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. He's just described what's going to happen. And again, he took the 12 aside. He goes, guys, you're not getting it. I wish you were getting it. Come over here. So pull off the road. Maybe there's a tree. Stand under the tree. We've got to talk. Why don't you guys sit down? This is going to take a minute. And he explains to them again what is going on here. What is going to happen 
to him so that he's not hiding it. It is clear. We're going to Jerusalem and this is what will happen to me. You don't get it. This is the third time. We've already mentioned this before. But let's go over it again because this is so important. So verse 33. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man, he's just talking about himself. This is a, an old covenant kind of prophetic title. It sounds like very common to us. We think Son of God sounds like a bigger title. In our world, Son of God means more. In the culture that he was in, Son of Man is a divine title. So it's not just a guy who has a father, right? This is the Son of Man. Um, it was more of a title kind of thing. And will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Really, really clear on what's going to happen. Our natural reaction, of course, would be, okay, then why are we going to Jerusalem? You've already told us why not to go to Jerusalem. Why are we going? That's why he's telling them for the third time, you don't get, this is the plan. This isn't on purpose. This isn't an accident. I know what's coming. I'm doing it intentionally. And then, covered with the great emotion of the, the pain that Jesus is going to experience in the upcoming days, verse 35 says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Could you, can you describe a time where you missed a beat so clearly? I'm going to die. I'm going to be tortured. I'm going to be sacrificed. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to suffer in all these ways. Yeah, Jesus, I want you to do something for me. That's their response. And then the response, it's even better than that. Right after what Jesus is just telling him, right after the emotion, the, the pain that he's describing, what, right after the... I'm telling you for the third time because you didn't get it in time one and time two, and this is a really big deal that you get. Right after he tries to say all that, hey, Jesus, do me a favor. Help me out. And I can point that out because that's the way I pray too. And maybe you do the same thing. Completely miss the big picture. I got an owie. Jesus, what about my owie? And it's back to being about me. And so Jesus responds in a way that I don't think I would have responded. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And they replied, let one of us sit on your right and the other on the left in your glory. Because what they heard in his description is how the Messiah rises to power. No, no matter what he said, they didn't get it. They, that he's, he's saying, I will suffer and die. And they heard, you will rise to power and rule. And when you rule, when you reign, put, put me here, put my brother here. That's still what they thought Messiah meant. That, that, that it was still going to be like a kingship. We're going to get rid of Rome. And instead of them being the emperor, we're going to be the emperor. And I want to be right on top. I want a cabinet position. I want to be, I want to be in, the, in the key spot there. Not understanding when, when they, they say here, at the left, in your glory. They didn't mean in heaven, in the kingdom of God sometime. They meant in Israel in about a week or so. Will you, will you give me that job? That's what they thought. That's what they saw. 
And then Jesus says, well, you have no idea what it is you're asking for. You have no idea because you don't understand what I'm already saying. You have no idea what it is that you're asking for. These positions have already been claimed. They're already for somebody else. You, you're, you're not ready to stand with me in what's coming up. And then we drop down to verse 41. And when the 10 heard this, because there's 12, right? But 10 were talking about how I'm going to get a sweet promotion. When the 10, the other 10 came up, they didn't say, hey, James and John, you totally missed the point about him suffering and dying. You totally missed the point about how this Messiah thing is supposed to work out. They didn't say anything like that. They said, well, what about me? If, if this is on the table, if we're talking about promotions, if that's what we're going to talk about today, well, then I want to get in on that. What about me, Jesus? Hey, how come you guys get to the front of the line? No, 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 me, 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 me. That's what they do. They, here they say, they became indignant with James and John. How did you get to the front of the line? It was supposed to be about me. And Jesus called them together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and they go, yeah, I know. And that's the job I want. We already know what it looks like to be a king. We know what it looks like to be a governor. We know what it looks like to be the emperor. That's exactly what we want. That's exactly why we're saying, put me on the left and put me on the right. That's what I want too, Jesus. Yes, I do know that the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. They subdue them to abuse power. That's what this language means when you translate it to unjustly exercise authority over. And every single one of us has had some place, whether it's your teacher at school or your, your parent, pastor at your church, local politician, provincial politician, federal politician, we have all seen, we have all experienced, we have all felt exactly what it is to know that somebody will take their power to subdue us, to take power over us, to take things from us that we would not have. And we all know what it feels like to have the lack, to sense that injustice, to say it's not fair. We all know what that's like. And then I think Jesus blew their mind with, with a, a phrase that I think that we still don't get today. In verse 42, he says, not so with you. But they'd already showed that it was going to be plenty true with them. That's exactly what they wanted. I want the power. My bad teacher, my bad boss, oh, I want the chance to put them under under my foot for a change, under my authority, under my rules, that's exactly what I want to do for, for justice, for, for, you know, for good things, for, for morality, for the glory of God. That's what I want. And we, we've all learned to take our cues from the, the families that we grew up in or the marketplace that we exist in, the political world that we've heard of. I thought that the point of being great was to in some degree be like a king. That's what I've always thought. It's just how much like a king I get to be. And that's why I kind of want to be a big deal. That's why I kind of want to be the one in charge. That's why I kind of want to be the one with authority. That's why I want to be the one that tells other people to do it the way that I say that it should be done. Because I'm right. 
Because those things need to go the way I say they need to go. Whether it's a policy, whether it's a law, whether it's rearranging the living room, people need to do what I say. They need to follow what I tell them. They need to be obedient to my decree. And this is what ties us in, I think, so beautifully with the series that we started in January that we're going to continue starting next week, The Upside Down. Jesus came to repeatedly describe a kingdom that is upside down, not so with you. What does it look like to be on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Jesus? Not so with you. Everything that you know about lording it over, everything you know about oppression, everything that you're familiar with, with do it my way, everything you know about that and you've seen for your whole life, basically everywhere you look, not so with you. This road trip describes a way of living that is other and it is upside down. And Jesus goes on, he says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. I don't like that. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. <coughs> For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for men. If you want to be part of this kingdom, and it is always a kingdom of conscience, it's always a kingdom of choice, you choose to be in. God welcomes you in. He will transform you as you go. He will meet you in ways that you cannot imagine now. But it will be a choice, but the point will always be not so with you. You will not lord it over. If you want to be on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Christ, this is something that we must manifest. And it's not for the person who's in charge alone. It's for each one of us. As we live and as we say, I want to be part of the breaking down barriers and opening doors, what kind of an example would it be if just us, if just the people in this room, just the people who are watching right now, if just us decided that we would live in such a way that it would be a not-so-with-you kind of way, that I would put others first. Do you understand the difference that, that would make just in this town? This is the kind of life that people in the first century decided that they would live under pain of death. And it changed the world. We know that it changed the world because we're here today. There was no other way that that would have happened to take the full might of the Roman Empire against them, to take the full might of the Jewish temple system and civil religion, to take the full weight of both of those at the same time, to come out and then end up transforming the Roman Empire into the Holy Roman Empire. There was no way that it happened because of a policy that was set. There was no way it happened because of picketing that needed to happen. There was no way that it would have happened because of a demand that said, you owe, you must. It was a way to say, I will put others first. And that was so powerful. It was so transforming that it gave life to individuals and to families as they faced death. It's so powerful that when these people stood up, that even when they tried to kill them, it wasn't enough to stop the message. In fact, the message got amplified. Not so with you. 
Not so with you. When you get into that position, when you have any time that you have authority, you do not author- you do not leverage your authority for yourself, but you do it on behalf of others. If we could do that, just it would, it would eliminate so much drama in our world, in our church, in our lives, in our families. And I have a sneaking suspicion that you would all like to have less drama in all of those places. But you didn't think that it was going to be by you doing something. It was always that somebody else would need to do something first. (coughs) When they see it the right way, then we'll be able to do it. When they understand, when the policy changes, when the law changes, when the leader decides, we live in such a way that this is transformative. This describes I think the partnership between God and us. When he says, together we are going to change the world, what he really says is, I'm going to change the world, and then the way he says he's going to do it is through us. By the power of the Holy Spirit, working in us, through us, guiding us. So it's really important that we learn to listen. It's really important that we learn to listen and then act. Really important that we learn to listen and then act in the way that he directs us forward, even when we don't know how it all turns out, that we say, I trust you. I trust that I won't be lacking because of what I have decided to give. I trust you. This um, partnership that we have, also described by some of the the agencies that we work together with, and we're hoping to have uh, Jesus Network here today, but uh, um, that was just not possible. So they came by video instead, and so I have a brief video that I want to show to you from them, and then I'll tie back up after. Hi everybody. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello into one. It's the folks from Jesus Network at our staff meeting on Wednesday. We wanted to send a little video update. Hopefully uh, this is good sound recording and we're going to have different people sharing a little bit about what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it, what God's doing and uh, <laughs> people are going to talk. So Boy. first up, I think Kaylee's going to say something and we're going to okay. all run away. Thank you. We just wanted to thank you for your prayers and support. Dreamer, you should stay with me. Oh. Um, over Christmas, we had the pleasure of registering several hundred families. Yes. Definitely. How many would you say? I think, three, I think 350. 350 yeah, yeah, we had a registration from the Twonkilif, Philomel, and also other areas. Yeah, so these were all families from a Muslim background yes. who are new to Canada. Um, this is their first experience celebrating Christmas. Um, so we were able to give uh, non-perishable food items. Yeah. What else? A, a Bible. In Holy Bible, Jesus DVDs. Yeah. The most important thing, that's it in our yeah. gift basket would be. And toys. And toys. And toys for the Sorry, kids. there's a police car going by right now. Just a minute. <laughs> okay, okay. It's a safe city. <laughs> um, so those families um, that we registered uh, were able to just enjoy um, experiencing Christmas for the first time. Uh, I, I just think some of us have gone back to visit the families yes. and they were talking about how that was their only Christmas gift that year of that course. the kids had gotten. And so. we start to uh, see them on January till now and That's we are right. so happy about that. We didn't have any feedback from them. It is so great. Yeah. And also, I find that they want to know about Lord Jesus Christ more because I give them the example and give them the experience what's happened to my life. 
and then say please pray for us that's the most important that we're looking and if somebody they're elevated we put the worship song for them and we put the jesus dvds on their uh jadu do you remember oh, about yeah. that one it's Satellite, so great yeah. and that's it's very important that they love that i'm mm -hmm. so grateful with yeah it. so dreamer and i um are responsible to follow up with the ladies. Yeah. Um, so we do a follow-up visit in every home of the families that we helped at Christmas. So imagine if you have to follow up in 350 families. It's uh, about yeah. a visit a day for the whole year. Um, so uh, Pastor Obed, who's also here, he follows up with some of the men and also uh, Pastor Samson. So I'll let them say a quick hi yeah. and an update from that too. Go ahead. So just as an intro, some of you remember Obed from last year. He came to Into One. Uh, the day before, you guys got your big check from Jane, I think. Oh, yeah. And then she got fired. Uh, uh, so <laughs> Obed working with Afghans, Samson working with Pakistanis. Everybody we give a Christmas basket to, they get an invitation to come to a church service in their language. So we had, I think, three... Uh, Afghan services, there was two Pakistani services, and these guys can talk a little bit about how that went, what that means to their community, and how God's working in those uh, areas. Okay, so we, as Sean said, we had three uh, Christmas programs for Afghans, and so it's been very well. We were expecting in one of those programs, we were expecting only 80 people, but we don't know how, but God brought maybe more than a hundred people, and it was very good. So, which means people are more interested to come and join us, to listen to us, and to uh, they are interested to know who we are and what we believe. So that's a a, a good point. Amen. Sorry, police again. <laughs> yes, thank you very much, and uh, it was great privilege to uh, to give this uh, gift to uh, different families. And I especially want to uh, say about the Raji food, actually, which we got right on time. And we yes. think that God intervened uh, in that thing, you know, that He 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 gave us on time. So thank you very much, whoever did this, and we are grateful <laughs> for this. And uh, other thing is that uh, we have two programs and uh, more than 100 people came in every program. So that was great joy to see those people who got those gifts and they came back to worship with us to hear, you know, why Jesus came in this world. So that is, I think, more important for us than giving out just a gift. But when they come back and listen, you know, why he came in this world, that was the greatest joy. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what are those Raji food things all about? Where did you they know, come from? Everybody gets excited when God intervenes and does a miracle. But the only way God does a miracle is if you have a major problem to overcome. <laughs> so uh, nobody likes talking about the major problems. So I thought I'd let Haley talk about the problem <laughs> and uh, how God yeah. provided. Where we were at before the miracle worker Graham called us. <laughs> yeah, so we were just praising the Lord that Into One and Pastor Graham uh, had sort of a key role in our Christmas outreach this year. Um, we had a financial shortage at Jesus Network and we couldn't afford to buy any food to go in the baskets. And often we get some donated food and then we purchase the rest to sort of bump it up. 
Um, but unfortunately this year we just didn't have um, enough money to do that. So we just said, okay, Lord, we're just going to trust you. We're going to pray. And whatever you give us, we'll give to the other, to the families. Just, it's up to you, God. And so we were praying and getting nervous and biting our nails. Registering 400 families we, that we expected something from us. We started the registration process. We had nothing was, for them. <laughs> I was losing sleep over that a little bit. I think, Raya, you, you know, sometimes just thinking too. about the strike now, what the children are not going to school. <laughs> this is a good timing for me. I can, uh, I can visit them more often. And uh, it's amazing how God is uh, working in a mysterious way. It's not uh, yeah problem for Sometimes us. Sometimes the problem becomes a solution. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we were just praying, God, please yes, send sure. us some food for the baskets. And Sean and I were sitting, um, having a coffee break one day, this is and then two days before we were starting to give these out to yeah, people. Yeah. We didn't yeah. have anything. Um, anyways, we got a call from Graham saying that he had a contact, a Hindu man, very kind man, who had offered to donate some uh, pre-made Indian meals. And uh, so we said, yes, absolutely send them down. So he sent um, a thousand units of these amazing uh, culturally appropriate meals. And then uh, after a couple of uh, days, called back. he called us back and said, I have more. Can you use more? And we said, absolutely. So he sent another thousand. So we were able to give all every family about five or six um, Indian uh, food packages along with the other food that was donated. So we just praised God for this Hindu man that he used. We praised God for Graham to be that connection. And we just praise uh, God for all of you guys for... Um, just being a supportive church that's praying for us and thinking of us uh, unexpectedly. We didn't expect it, so we're just grateful. Thank so the you. first time, Graham brought all of these meals down to us, which was great. But the second time, Graham said, you got to figure it out yourself. <laughs> so a friend from PEI, where Haley's from, we had not literally talked to in 20 years. Yeah. He saw something about us on Facebook, contacted Haley, said, hey, can I come and help with your Christmas outreach thing? And we said... Yeah, this is the day we have to pick up these other thousand meals, and we don't have a way to do that. So he came from Oshawa or wherever it was, went, drove, put those in his truck, brought them over to the place. So another great way that God uh, intervened, yeah. and that's usually the way it goes. We don't like, you know, taking Stress. people to the Red Sea. We like when the sea is parted. We don't like standing there thinking... I don't know what's going to happen here. There's people chasing me. There's water. Uh, Lord. Mm -hmm. But that's when uh, God intervenes. So we're thankful for how God's thank intervened you. in uh, your guys' situation. Uh, we just thank God for that building, all the renovations that you guys are doing, for Graham and Cheryl's story, for uh, the entire Into One gang on the journey together and thankful we can be a little part of that story that you guys are connected with us and uh, hopefully we'll be there someday to say hi and take ride the elevator up and down and up and down and up and down all the time <laughs> yeah so okay. god bless have Thank a great you. sunday okay bye Yeah, they're clapping for you, Sean and Haley. Um, the story is, is truly remarkable because no one saw that it was happening. I had uh, met a guy in the, in the past, you might remember, last year, who donated a bunch of uh, hats, socks, gloves, that kind of stuff, and I hadn't heard from him 
and I was sitting in the Main Street Bakehouse, and we were having a meeting that was planning the Stovall Sparkles event, and we're talking about how we would be involved in that, or we were going to have uh, music that we were supposed to provide and be part of the living nativity, and we're having this meeting, and I see the man walk by, and sort of in the meeting, I thought, well, this is a little irregular, but that's sort of my specialty, and so I just sort of in the middle of the meeting, I just said, hey, how are you? I haven't seen you in a while, and he looks at me because he likes to joke as one. He goes, I don't know who you are. <laughs> Which is a great way to feel. Like this is whole public kind of thing there. And then he laughs and says, okay, hey, do you still want to do something for Christmas? We should talk about that again. Yeah, we really should. And then he leaves. No idea. So um, uh, a couple of days pass and I call him and I say, hey, you said you wanted to do something. What would you like to do this year? Do you want to do um, the hats and gloves kind of thing? What, what do you want to do? And he goes, well, I really want to move some food. And I go, well, our ability to give out uh, hats and gloves was, was much easier because we had places that would directly need them. We also got to tie in. Last year, there was a big coat drive that we were able to attach the, the, the winter wear to the coats that people were getting. So that worked out really well. And so he describes this. Um, well, I've got um, vegetarian Indian meals. You can eat them raw uh, because they're not raw. They're already cooked or you can warm them up. You can put them in a microwave, you can put them in a pot. They're very, very versatile. And you might not think about this, but so many times people want to donate things. One of the things that pops into their head to donate to give is craft dinner, because it's so easy to work with. But you still need a number of pots, you still need other ingredients, and it's a culturally alternate dish. Not just that it's revolting and it has no flavor at all anymore, <laughs> um, but, but it, it, it doesn't speak into that culture. And so the, the folks that they're dealing with are, are, are so frequently um, newly arrived Canadians, many of them from a Muslim background. They work in Thorncliffe Park, which is the highest density of Muslims outside a Muslim country in the world. They have the largest kindergarten school in the world, and it is almost entirely Muslim. And there, there's, there's very little contact to come in, and so they have this incredible opportunity of welcoming people. So he called me and I, and I called Sean and said, hey, it sounds like he can do some of this, this food stuff. Do you have any way you can use any of that? I know you, got, you guys are doing baskets, but by now you're probably already full. And he goes, just the opposite. It was text. And then he said, Haley's going to call you. Before I finish reading the Haley's going to call you, the phone is ringing. You're not going to believe what's happening. This is unbelievable. They fully went ahead with preparing the baskets as if they were full. They registered all the people as if the baskets were full, and they just tell you there was large open holes in the basket that they were going to give out. Perfect timing, perfect place, and so I was able to pick up the stuff and take the first ones down, and then I said, well, call him back right away, because I think he wants to do some more, but we, this is as much as my van could hold. And so you, you don't understand how perfect this is. This is exactly what we need. These meals are the exact kind of thing that these people are going to going to appreciate far above craft dinner. And then he says, yeah, we're going to do it again. And that just happened to be the Saturday that was Stouffville Sparkles. And so uh, Ben and I were, were dealing with all of the sound equipment because we had to set up for the band that was going to play that evening. So I said, I can't go. He, d he makes it sound like I just said, who cares? I didn't say who cares. <laughs> we were already booked. We had to do that. That's the timeline that it was working out on. That was um, right at the beginning of December, the Monday 
I dropped the first ones off on a Friday. The Monday was when the first baskets were going out. They had no idea what they were going to do. In that time, in that place, we work in partnership with a God who can see things that are far bigger than what we can see. And he gives me lots of credit for what I did. I sat in a restaurant and I said hi to a guy. And then I phoned him back. That was it. Do you think that you have the capacity to work in such a dedicated and committed way like I do? To maybe say hi to someone that you know? To maybe follow up and see what happens? It's, it's unbelievable the, the, the amount of good that happened through so little effort, through so little intention even. We work together with God and this is such a beautiful place that we're in and that's why I thought that story was so good for you to know. You probably didn't even know what was happening because we didn't have a lot of timeline to move it around. It was one of those things that was too hard to even say, hey, can somebody help me do this because it sort of had to like pick them up, take them down, go. It's got to be done now. You were part of that. You, you didn't know you were part of it. You didn't even know what was happening. But part of the Into One family, this is what we did. We get credit for the whole thing because we work in partnership with God. And this describes this, a gentle humility that we have before Christ. We don't know what's in our hands all the time. That's why it makes sense for us to not lord over what we do know. Because we don't know the package that's larger. This earnest pursuit that we're on in pursuit of Christ it's trusting him. It's keeping ourselves open, but it's living in a way that continues to acknowledge who is the Lord, who is the key pastor at this church. His name is Jesus. And we are doing our best to try and listen to that and respond to that. And that is not a position that you had to apply for. You are all qualified to be in this place where you ask God, what is it that you would have for me? What is it that you would have for me? And then listen. If you've never experienced God speaking or prompting you, it's not because he doesn't speak or doesn't prompt. It's because we're not trained in listening. And there's all kinds of times when we gather together and we, we say, okay, it's time now. We're going to read some scripture. We're going to describe what our situation is. And then we're going to ask for silence, for someone to listen, for a verse, for a phrase, for a picture, for something. And the picture rarely comes as a complete picture to one person, but it's a combined package where we gain insight together. And then we test those things, we ask again, but it, the, the practice of pursuing and listening is something that each one of you can be part of as well. This is an eyes up kind of situation. That's the focus that we come back to again, that we are eyes up. That when you think, how am I going to respond? First response is eyes up. Now what do I do after that? Thank you, Jesus, for how you are working in this situation. It feels like it's chaos. It feels like it's a nightmare. What would you have me to do? It, it changes the scenario from just survival to a, an existence of life that is, I, I don't know what good thing is about to happen, but because I've heard other stories, because I've been involved in other stories, I have an increasing sense of trust. What good thing are you about to do, God, that I can't see yet? I trust you, though. Eyes up. Then we look for a response. <coughs> I wanted to take you there so that we could come to uh, communion today. Uh, and communion is such an important time for us to be able to speak our hearts back to God. It is not just a ritual that we perform so that you, 
you get your, your, your God kind of contact. It is a recommitment time. And so when we bring it up, this is frequently the way that we do it, that we say, are you still in? So I want to take you through a passage that we don't normally associate with communion, but that's why I want you to think about this in relation to what, to what we've just talked about, not lording it over, living in this kind of way of trust and faith and asking that God would involve us, that we would see a larger picture of how we are involved. So we start in Romans chapter 3, starting at verse 21. And this, I, I'll tell you, it, it's a complicated uh, words. The first verse is really, really good news. Okay, so I want you, before, before you read it, you've already read it, um, this is really, really good news. But now, that means that before this I was describing a righteousness that came from the law and what the law did, but now, apart from the law. That means somehow not directly tied to all the commandments that were given, that were expected to be lived out, those 600 plus commandments that were given. Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. But it's not completely separate because it's the, the law and the prophets testify to this time that would come. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood that worked with the law. It worked in the temple. It worked following the old covenant system to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at this present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. The faith in Jesus is the step that takes us to participate in communion. Otherwise, it's just walking around a room and eating a very small amount of food. It's just stuff. It means nothing until there's a faith in Christ. And that doesn't make it suddenly magic. That just makes it suddenly connected. It's a physical act that describes a spiritual intention. I do this thing physically as an act of obedience, but as an act of commitment. And the act doesn't make it magic. But in that act, in that humility, grace is transferred from one to the other. Grace is transferred from God to us. And so I want to invite you, welcome you to join us in communion today. If you have, uh, if you have a relationship with Jesus and you would like to say again today, it is my intent, it is my desire to further that relationship, to take another step in my earnest pursuit of following Jesus, well, then I welcome you to participate. If, if that's not where you are, that is totally okay. We don't want you to pretend. We don't want you to say things that aren't true. You're welcome to be part of us. You can belong here long before you believe what we do. We're just asking you to uh, 
be respectful of that process. So if, if it's your intention to say that my desire is to follow Christ, my desire is to earnestly pursue him, then participate with us. What we'll do is we'll uh, come down this aisle again and come up this aisle. We just get some logistical kinds of things here. The elements are prepared for us at the back. And I would encourage you again, our relationship with Jesus is personal, but it is not private. Personal, but not private. And so I know that sometimes you, maybe you come from um, a tradition where the idea is we, we hide it away. It's just for me. This is a quiet moment. If you need a quiet moment, please take your quiet moment. But I would encourage you to gather with somebody, with a family that yours or somebody else's, and to speak words together like, this is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. That we would be able to look each other in the face and be drawn together into one. That we share this moment that is personal can be private, but it doesn't need to be private. It is better when we can commune together. And then if you feel comfortable, briefly pray for each other. Offer a blessing on someone's behalf. Do you know that you have the power to offer a blessing? You don't have to have a title to offer a blessing. Bless somebody today. And a blessing just means God thank you for them. God be gracious to this person. God care for this person in the way that they need to be cared for. So we're going to come down this aisle, go up this aisle, gather wherever you want, at the back, at the front, in your pews. We'll just take a moment, we'll partake together, and then our band will come back up and we'll close the service with that. So let me just pray and then we'll um, commune together. Kind Father, I thank you for the plan that you set in place. You saw our need you, you enabled us to see our need and then you provided a solution to our problem. Lord Jesus, it's our desire to submit to you again that we would be in mutual submission to you and to each other. This is the path that you have described and it is countercultural. It goes against what I want all the time, but this is part of what it means for me to say I want to be on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Christ. This is the mission. This is living it out on one level that we might live it out on another level somewhere else. And I want to celebrate through communion today at the coming together, my intentional joining together with you and then joining together with my brothers and sisters that are here. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be present in our connections, that the spirit within me would resonate with the spirit within my brothers and my sisters that are here. Connect us by your spirit, we pray, Lord Jesus. Meet us. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for the gift. Thank you for the payment that you made on my behalf when I did not deserve it. I have still not come to the place where I now deserve it, but you gave it anyways because you love me. And it's my desire, and I pray that's the desire of my friends here today, that we would follow you wholeheartedly so that you would help to meet us when we're weak, that you would help us to overcome those areas that we fail, that we would meet you and then be able to describe that delight that we have to someone else, the hope that you have given, the freedom 
that we can experience. Lord Jesus, it is our desire to lift you up, to make you famous, to let people know what you've done. All of that we're doing today as we accept your gift once again. Thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.